If you've been uh, overwhelmed by national and world affairs this week, it's possible you came to church today to get away from all the news feeds and social media. After all, this space is called a sanctuary, meaning, among other things, a safe haven, a place of peace and security. I have found it so for myself over the years. I do find it a true sanctuary, a safe place. But then I'm also aware that the world still does follow me in here. I never have been able to completely check the world at the door like I might a jacket or umbrella at a nice restaurant. Try as I might, I find the world insists on taking my hand as I cross the threshold, almost as though it, the world, is desperate to find sanctuary as well. Well, Jesus and the disciples had something of that problem, according to our story from Mark you just heard. He wanted them to come away to a deserted place all by themselves so they might rest, getting away from the trials of their days. So they got into a boat to travel to a, a place that would be for them, I think, a sanctuary. But as it was, the crowds, seeing where these people were headed, hurried by another route and arrived ahead of them. And so arriving at their sanctuary, Jesus and his friends were greeted by the world. And the writer adds, hopefully, I think, Jesus had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Most of you know that during the course of the week we have candles to light up here in this space. We're open almost 12 hours a day. There's a lot of traffic in and out. I, by the way, often light a candle for someone, like I did this week for my father who turns 96 today, as a matter of fact. Sometimes I'll light a candle for you. When I become aware of some need or difficulty, some pain or conflict in your life, I suppose you should know that I do this. Sometimes I'll tell you about it when I've lit a candle with your name on it, and sometimes I won't. But the thing is, it does very much feel like I have brought the concern from out there into a safe place where it can be named and honored and heard and received. And it's a small thing, I suppose. But, but then I happen to believe that small gestures of compassionate regard provide the mortar holding the structure of healthy human community together, and I'm been thinking of late how little of it is there is of that in our culture, it seems to me, and how we would be so benefited to encourage more of it. You know, uh, on mid in midweek, a team from Christ Church offers prayers for the concerns you write on the connection cards. And people drop concerns into our prayer box in the entryway during the week, all in 
You know, there's quite a lot of spiritual aspiration due to our physical presence here at Park and 60, made possible by the commitment of our members and friends to provide sanctuary for the citizens of New York City. That's partly what we do here. And I was thinking this week that what we offer here with our open doors and open hearts, hands, and minds seems especially timely given the state of things. I mean, are you not overwhelmed by the chaos in our national life and within the echo chambers of social media? And don't you feel sort of beat up by all the raucous noise in our media? And hasn't the political rancor and hostility ratcheted up into, I don't know, a kind of wacky circus act, yet, yet having real-time consequences? And aren't you, aren't you aware of how we have been riven into rival, rivaling camps, divided and sequestered in every conceivable, imaginable way? And this awareness was enhanced as I was thinking about the passage from Ephesians, which says that Christ has broken down. I don't know if you heard this, but it's a word for our day. It's broke, Christ has broken down the walls of hostility. In the specific case, he was talking about the wall of hostility between the Gentiles, in other words, all the non-Jews from God and Jews and Gentiles from one another, so that God might create in himself one new humanity, thus making peace, and might reconcile everyone to God through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility. And the writer then boldly proclaims, Christ is our peace. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. And we're told he did this from compassion for we are like sheep without a shepherd. You know, given how worked up I am about the current state of our national life, I'm not entirely sure how to hear such a radical and helpful and hopeful sounding word as this today. But I do know several things quite Certainly, some foundational, very clear things. This place is called Christ Church. That's a rather stylized depiction of our, in our mosaics of our namesake, the so-called Prince of Peace, as he was called. Because he is our peace, it seems especially relevant to bring the world in here with us today. Now, of course, among the things we've brought in today include our own personal walls of hostility. I mean, that's right, isn't it? Those, who, those walls of hostility came right in here with us. It won't do any good to say we don't have any. Each of us can name at least some of the walls, if we're brave, that separate us from each other and by default from a closer relationship with God. And those are only the walls about which we have conscious awareness. The gospel proclaims that through the cross, Christ has the power to break down those walls. What do you make of that? Quite apart from our puny powers, Christ shatters these walls of hostility. That's why this place can be sanctuary for anyone who walks in. 
Christ has already done the heavy lifting, we say. All we must do is accept the obvious condition of our lives and receive the gift, get this, I'm calling it a gift, of his hammer blows that bring down our walls of hostility. But it's not just for our individual lives that Christ wields his hammer of peace. Clearly, he also has a much larger agenda. I mean, look beyond the ragged edge of our national politics, say, at our own borders, for instance, populated with children stripped from their families, and then out beyond where so many millions of refugee families seek some kind of hopeful future from out of the violent wreckage of their homelands. So many places around our world cordoned off by walls of hostility. Maybe you feel as I do. I don't know. Maybe as a result of our dyspeptic cultural political moment and the world's chaos, you carry around a kind of background anxiety. Do you have this? A background anxiety, agitation, even anger? I don't know. I don't know quite what to do with it, but it's very, very tempting to indulge a chronic state of enemy formation of knowing for certain who does not deserve our compassionate regard. Tell me you don't feel that temptation. Jesus resisted the movement to divide the world into the good and the bad. His ruined body, lifted high, visible to aggressive foe and cowardly friend alike, gave evidence to that. The cross was God's unilateral disarmament, God's ultimate rebuke to every wall that divides people into enemies instead of revealing them as neighbors, even sisters and brothers. As Martin King allowed, we must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools. You know, strictly speaking, I am not a pacifist in the classic sense of the word. Sometimes I wish I could be, but living in a fallen world is a complicated matter that often requires complicated and difficult decisions, decisions we might in some cases even loathe, but for them see no reasonable alternative. Still, still, I very much bewail our weak human tendency to insist on hostility, as our first, second, and third strategic, defensive, or impulsive position in our lives and in the world. Because here's the elusive truth. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. I have now lived long enough to know with absolute certainty that this is true. These are the sorts of lessons, friends, that we learn in this sanctuary, sitting at this man's feet, gathered at the base of the cross. Here we learn to love God and neighbor. 
Here we learn the hard lessons pertaining to human sin, and here, too, learn of the astonishing hope in the power of God's love. And you know, this is no mere naivete or sentimentality. Instead, it is the very energy of creation that burns away the dross in love's refining fire. And sometimes we get singed in the heat of it. Sometimes. The cross is no sentimental token, only to be worn as decoration. A piece of jewelry. It is instead the very power of God set loose in the world. You know, it's best to be aware of just who or what we're addressing in this sanctuary. In one sense, it is indeed the safest place in the world, but it is also a place to set the world's agenda on its ear. Actually, that's what makes it the safest place in the world. In the Gospel of John, near the end of his time, Jesus addresses his disciples saying, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. He does not give as the world gives. And I say, thank God. That's why this place is so important. In the concluding paragraphs of Ephesians, we read this, As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. Imagine for a moment what it would, be, what it would take for you to be an agent for the gospel of peace. Imagine if we were a church full of persons of who upon leaving the sanctuary put on new pairs of shoes, as it were, that set us on that very course into our corners of the world, into our various corners of the world. That's part of our burden, our responsibility, our joy as children of the God of love. It's a small gesture, I know. But in the spirit of all candles that are lit in this space, week. I want to this candle with these words. Christ is our peace. And I think what I have in mind is keeping this candle lit seven days a week for the remainder of the summer. And I invite you, when you are in the area, to come into this space. Don't just simply walk by, but come on in and sit down and consider saying to yourself and reaffirming for yourself, Christ is our peace. We have so few opportunities, friends, to take the time to say what is fundamentally true, that at the heart of all things, God is, God is under my feet, 
God is above my head. God is all around me. God is the air I breathe. And Christ is our peace. That is the thing that anchors us in life and to one another.